You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. I'm excited about what God is doing. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and you don't want to miss that. We have something great in store for you, and uh, we're going to have a great time there. Um, so we have got some cards at the Connection Center. It's a business card. It just invites people to our Easter service. I would love for you to pick up 6, 10, 12, 15, ever how many you think you'll use, but don't grab 50 and then don't put them out, Okay. So I want you to get those cards, if you will, and when you leave a good tip, leave that card. Now, if you went off on your waiter or waitress and really showed yourself, just keep that card in your pocket and save it till you had a good day. And when you've taken your Prozac or whatever it is that you take to be happy, then leave that card, okay? We really want you to leave a good impression because... I don't want them to say, man, I ain't no way I'm going out there, a bunch of crazies like that. So anyway, uh, take those cards, help us invite. We've got lots of them, so, so, and they're only good for two weeks. And so we need to get them out there. Wherever you go, drop that card. And then you should this week receive a nice card, an Easter invite in the mail. We're looking forward to that. Let me say this. Um, not, not this week, but next week when we're doing a lot of work at the church. I know we got life groups that's on serving teams that's going to be doing, or they're going to be serving on a serving team and helping us put together things. So we encourage you to think about getting involved in your life group and meeting up here uh, to, uh, to serve on the week of Easter or the week prior to Easter from 6 to 8, I believe is every night, um, maybe with the exception of Friday, unless everything's not done and we'll uh, continue on. So uh, I want to say uh, with Brother Ken, I am just stoked about Dr. Strong's message last week. Just did a fabulous job. And I've heard all kind of great reports and I, I, I just, that, that makes my heart jump. Uh, when people can come and connect and have the heart of God and just share it with people, I'm excited about that and I, I just, I, I appreciate the Strong's being here working with us and doing ministry together as all of you. So thank you for being here. Turn with me if you have your Bible to the book of Isaiah. I want to share with you a, a, a familiar passage of Scripture, but yet often an overlooked. In Isaiah 64 and verse 8, he says, But now, O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter, and all we are the work of your hand. Now, before I get too carried away here, did those pictures ever come through? I don't know. They did? Well, let's go ahead and pop them up there because it's the work of the Lord. Oh, there he is. Carter Michael Sane, born yesterday. Yeah, there he is. I'm telling you, children are the heritage of the Lord. And blessed is the man that hath his quiver full. Isn't that right? Well, I praise the Lord for him and God has blessed us and blessed our family and, um, So that is the work of the Lord. Now back to my text, but I would be remiss if I didn't show him to you and just introduce him to you. Not that you didn't see 47 pictures on Facebook, but nonetheless, there he is. So, um, and Andrew and Ashlyn's doing well, and uh, they'll, as a matter of fact, little Reagan said, well, why ain't they in church? 
Kelly said, well, that, she just had a baby, I know, but she should be at church. So, <laughs> Reagan's a little harsh, you know, but anyway. Anyway, but he says, and thou art the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. I want to take one more passage of scripture, if I may, and this is where the whole story comes. And I want to, this is a story that I want to share with you. It's a wonderful biblical story that God gave me many, many years ago, and I've shared this message in a lot of places years ago, and somehow in study this past week, the Lord just seemed to drive this back in my heart. I began to resurrect that and look at it, and, and uh, I said, I think that's what I'm going to do on Sunday. Jeremiah chapter number 18 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Get up, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. So I went down. Thank God. Somebody say, thank God for obedience. You know, sometimes God says, get up and go to church, and we just roll right on over. But anyway, get up and go down to the potter's house. And he went down to the potter's house, and there he was. Who? The potter. There he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that... He made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Marred means it's blemished. It wasn't really serviceable. It couldn't be used. So he made it again into another vessel. In other words, he took that clay and just pushed it back down and began to work it again. And he made it as another vessel. Watch this. As it seemed good to the potter to make. In other words, as it seemed good for God to make. Not what we dreamed of being, not what we thought we ought to be, but God made that vessel again in something that he thought that vessel ought to be. Then the word of the Lord came into me, that is Jeremiah, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you like this potter says the Lord? In other words, can't, can't I form you? Can't I mold you? Can't I fashion you look as the clay is in the potter's hand so are you in my hand O house of Israel and uh, verse 7 says the instant that I speak concerning a nation concerning the, the kingdom to pluck up or to pull down and destroy if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from evil I'll relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it and in the instant that I speak concerning a nation uh, or concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice then I will relent of the good which I said that I would benefit it and uh, now therefore speak to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem saying thus says the Lord behold I am fashioning disaster and devising a plan against you return now every one of you from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good and they said, that is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans. And we will walk, or we will everyone obey the dictates of his evil heart. How often has the Lord reached out to try to do something to us? And we, we never would say that quite like that. Well, Lord, I'm just going to do my own thing. But that's what we do. We never would just say, well, I don't care about the church, God. But that's what we do sometimes. He said, every one of them decided to do whatever their own heart dictated. If I feel like doing this today, then this is what I do. If I don't want to do that, I don't do that. And, and the Lord says, why can't you just, 
Why, why can't you be like this clay and let me as the master potter form you and mold you and make you into what you ought to be? So I want you to join with me today on a journey. As we take a trip to the potter's house, walking in the shoes or right beside the great prophet Jeremiah and see what is happening at the house. And I want you to get this with me. First of all, uh, just to tell you a little bit about pottery. Pottery is the number one uh, archaeological find of the ancient world. They have found the remains of the potter's shops in Lachish as far as 1200 B.C., before Christ, in Megiddo, in Gezer, in Hazor. And the remains included the 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 potter's field where thrown clay that would not form or mold, uh, the dump for the unusable pottery, uh, pieces of pottery, fragments of pottery. And so I want to begin with you today as we get up in the morning and we leave our house and we head out to the field where the, where the master potter would be digging and mining for the clay. He's going to the, to the raw earth and digging in and pulling out that clay and all that is in that clay, straw, sticks, rocks, mud, uh, other, other things that are there. He's gathering it up. The day begins. It's very early in the morning, but at first light, there he goes with bags over his shoulder and there he goes toward the potter's house. That potter has left and he's gone to get some clay. We're in Jeremiah's shoes, if you will, and I just want to envision us following him. And on our way to the potter's house, I believe the master potter is already thinking about us. Jeremiah, he said, I know the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord, good plans and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God's thinking of, I could fashion him. I could form her. I could mold them into something awesome. And so I want to tell you that God was thinking about you before you ever got here. Jeremiah said that he told me before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I knew thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I want to tell you something. When he looked at Israel down in Egyptian bondage, they had been there over 400 years. The Bible said the Lord saw it and he heard their cry and he spoke to a barren woman by the name of Jochebed and Amram and Jochebed got together and Moses came forth, the great deliverer that would be drawn out of the Nile River. God had already thought about it. And I want to tell you something. He didn't start out so good because he, he heard an Egyptian arguing with a Hebrew one day and he smote that uh, Egyptian down. He killed him with, with a rock or with his bare hands and he had to run 80 years of his life in preparation. But when he's 80 years old, God speaks to him on the backside of Mount Horeb. And I want to tell you, God had already thought about Moses. The master potter had already thought, well, you know what? I know he killed somebody, but I can use that in the forming of him. I can use that in the fashioning of him. I know he's done bad things, but I can use it. I want you to know the Bible says the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That does not mean what I used to think it meant. I used to think that God would never forgive you if he called you to preach and you wouldn't go. But that would be against scripture. For the Bible says all manner of sin will be forgiven men except that of the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. But what it literally means, what I found out later in seminary, was that God is never sorry that he called you. I don't care what you've done, what you have done, or what you have done. David fell into adultery with Bathsheba. 
Bathsheba, he killed Uriah the Hittite. Moses killed someone. Rahab was a harlot. It goes on and on and on. But God says, I'm not sorry that I called you. So I think about Samuel. The Bible says there was a famine of the word of God in Israel. And there was another barren woman. Her name was uh, Hannah. Her husband's name was Elkanah. They had come down to Shiloh to worship God. Eli, the high priest, thought she was drunk because she was just, you know, she was out there, man. She was in la-la land. And I don't know if he had another service coming at 10 o'clock. I don't know. But he says, you need to hurry on. You just drank too much. And she said, I'm not drunk, master. I'm not drunk. Your servant is not drunk, but my mind is sick. My heart breaks because I ain't had no children. And I want, and just this same prophet that missed it turned around. The word of the Lord says, this time next year, at the appointed time, you'll bring forth a son. Now hurry up, we got another service. Now I don't know if he said it like that. But here's what I do know. In the, pre, or in the succeeding chapter, Hannah says to her husband, Elkanah, I'm with child. So you know what she did? You know what Samuel means? It means ask of the Lord. She asked of the Lord and she said, Lord, if you'll give me this child, I'll bring him to the house of God and he'll be raised under the auspices of the high priest. I'm gonna tell you something. When she weaned him from the breast, she brought him to Shiloh and let him live and grow up in the temple there with Eli. I wanna tell you something. God had thought about Samuel. He knew that things was bad. And you know, in fact, Samuel, little boy, He's growing up, and uh, the Bible says there was a famine of the word of God. And here's the word, and ere the lamp of God nearly went out on the altar in the temple. The lamp was never to go out. What he's saying is the word of God is so scarce, and it's flickering. It's about to go out, but God calls Hannah to have a child. And this child was raised in the house of God. And the Bible said he did not yet know God. Samuel 3, you have to get it later. He did not yet know God, but he was laying on his bed. And he heard a voice that said, Samuel, Samuel. He got up and ran to Eli, the high priest, and said, Master, you called me. And Eli said, no, son, I hadn't called you. He said, go lay down. And the voice came, Samuel, Samuel. He got up and he ran back to Eli and said, Master, you called for me. He said, no, I hadn't. This happened again. The third time, Eli said, the high priest said, here's what it is. I know who has called you. I hadn't called you but it's the Lord. And the next time he calls you, I want you to say something back to him. I want you to say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. He went back and lay down. Y'all hear me now? God didn't just come, uh, call. He came. The Bible says, and the Lord came and called as other times before and said, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And God said, I'm about to do something in Israel that'll cause the ears of everyone to tingle. I'm about to straighten up the mess that's going on in this very temple that you're sleeping tonight. There's a lot of things happening here that's crooked. There's a lot of things that's turned people's backs away from the temple because the, the high priest, the sons of the priest were sleeping with women and they were doing all kinds of things and they were taking more of the offerings that was brought to them than they should. And he said, I'm about to make the, ting the ears tingle of everyone here. I said that to say, God thought about Samuel. He thought about David. He thought about you. He sees every hair that falls from our head. So back to our story, we're out here now. 
We get there and we see the potter leave. He's digging the clay. He's getting this clay up out of the ground. And, and I want you to understand this, that clay is hardly ever usable in its raw form. In other words, just the way you brought it home and plopped it down on the ground, it's got sticks in it, uh, stones in it, wood, various things. It, it, it's almost never usable right then. It's got all this stuff. So then the potter would grab up. I wish I had brought me a basin. If you could imagine a box about this big, we used them in Guatemala, folks, on the mission trip, with, with screen on the bottom. Some are larger holes than another basin. I have a little smaller than another, a little bit smaller. And he would take that clay and he would put it in there and he'd prop that up off the ground a little bit and he would walk on that clay and push it through that screen. He would walk on it and push it through it and every now and then he'd feel something. He'd get this out of it and get that out of it. And once he got that clay through there, he would put it over another basin and push it through it. He pushed that clay. He'd get all the stones and the brick and the, everything that shouldn't be in there. And then he'd finally get it down to a form that's usable. He's got all the stuff out. And I want to tell you something. I believe that God's pushing some of y'all through the basins. And I think that God's reaching down, trying to move some junk out of your life, some sticks that don't need to be there, some stones that don't need to be there, some wood and some garbage that don't need to be there because you cannot be used in that fashion. Why do I got to give up this? Why do I got to do that? The master potter wants to make you something beautiful. He wants to make you something usable, something that he's dreamed about you, something that he's thought about you. And he cannot do it if you go by the dictates of your heart to say, I'm going to do this. You see, and then he takes this vessel, and, and here's what the word says. The potter formed it. You know what it means? That means the, the potter began to apply pressure in areas that he wanted to change. Yep. He, he began to push in where he wanted the clay to go in. Are you hearing me? He began to apply some pressure and he, he began to do some things. He began to grab the lip and pinch so to make it roll over the way he wanted it to roll and all those things. And some of us are squirming and say, I don't like God pinching me. But Romans 9 and 20 says, but nay, O man, who are you to reply against God? Shall the thing that is formed say unto him that has formed it, why have you made me this way? You see, once his hands has formed this beautiful vessel, God has something beautiful in store for you, something wonderful that he's planned for you. He wants to make you an awesome vessel. But you see, because... Um, he knows what the world needs. He knows what kind of leader he needs. He knows what the children needs. He knows what the DSM needs. He knows what the church needs. And so he picks us out and forms us and fashions us and molds us to get in those places. Are y'all hearing me? I hope I'm not wasting my breath. But after he's formed you, he said, you know what? Very, very seldom is, in fact, never is the vessel good unless it goes through the fire. Never is it good. It's worthless. Without that, it would just sort of crumble and come to pieces. But he says, no, 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 I have prepared a furnace for you. Years ago, I preached a message entitled, The Furnace of Affliction. That's what Isaiah called it. The Furnace of Affliction. 
second night of revival, George Avenue Church of God, years ago, I come back and preach the second message entitled, Look What the Fire Has Done. Are y'all hearing me? Come on now. You see, firing the vessel, there was two ways to do it. In the old days, they would sun-dry a vessel. However, sun-dried vessels had limitations. They could only store dry goods but because liquids would break them down. But later, they would do kill-fired vessels. And a vessel that, that, that would be hardened and last would have to go through heat of almost 1,000 degrees, 982. That's pretty hot. And some of y'all say, I'm going through such a trial, Pastor. Ooh, you must be going to be beautiful. You know what comes out of the fire? Survivors come out of the fire. The wood is burned up. The hay is burned up. The stubble is burned up. But gold comes out of the fire. That that is pure comes out of the fire. And I want to tell you something. Without being fired, you're good for nothing. You got to go through the fire. You got to go through it. The beauty of a properly fired clay is that it will not break down. It will not disintegrate. Even if buried for thousands of years, that's why today you and I can look back at pottery from 1200 years BC because it's been fired. Are y'all hearing me say amen? There's something about the fire brings permanency to it. Oh, and I'm telling you, when you go through the fire, man, ain't nothing like dealing with somebody that says, I've been there. I've done been there. I've been through this, this ordeal before. Metal or wood would have long since disappeared. Listen, once the vessel's fired properly, it can be, watch this, used again and again and again. You see, fire time is pretty crucial as well. It had to stay in the fire long enough for the chemical process to take place. Now, some of us want to get in the fire and say, Whoa! Oh, that was hot! Huh, kind of like taking a bath in a tub. Kelly's drawing water. Ah-ha! Y'all with me? Say amen. But we want to jump right out. And God said, No, you just got to bake a little while. We got to look until we can see little bubbles starting to form and impurities starting to pop. Amen. And, and, and little, little, little curly cues starting to burn and smoke. Things that are coming out of the clay because the fire's so hot they can't stay. Oh, 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 oh. And uh, once it's out, it lets it cool down. And we as vessels think we got this, man. We, we, we've made it through the fire. And then God reaches over and grabs, the master potter reaches over and grabs something that looks like sandpaper. And he picks us up and where all of those things came out of us that didn't need to be in us, they left their scars. Sharp edges. And it's, you know, the evidence that something was there that had to come out and it has come out, but it's left a scarred and marred. And he takes that old rough paper and he begins to scour it. Are y'all hearing? He begins to rub that vessel and we get uncomfortable again and say, oh, I don't like he's rubbing on me in places I don't like to be rubbed. But he's rubbing and rubbing and he's getting it smooth. He's smoothing everything down. Are y'all hearing me? Why? There's another part of the process. 
and as he smooths you down and rubs out those areas that was kind of rough and he finally gets you to a place he says oh now he reaches over into his collection of paints uh-huh and he says i think this would be a beautiful blue vessel or maybe a red somebody that'll reach and educate and deploy uh, maybe a pink vessel or a white vessel. But he looks into his, his, his uh, you know, palette of paints and says, I, I think I want this and I'm going to do that. And, and, and you see, because you got to get this, a vessel that has not been painted and glazed properly can only be used one time. You know why? Because the bacteria and the fungi or fungi can get in there and make up a residence and it's no good. But if he paints it and glazes it, did y'all know there's another word in English for that? Anointing. <laughs> that he would take this that he has thought about, this that he has put his hands on and his feet on and worked and polished and rubbed and scrubbed and fired and all of that. He says, now, I'll put an anointing on them that will repel the bugs. I'll put an anointing on them so that things can't take up host inside them anymore. Residence inside them anymore. Something that'll repel all the bacteria. Something that'll wash off easy. Ooh, y'all messing with me this morning. He says, uh, uh, I want you to understand the, the implications of being glazed, the implications of being painted. You see the glazing of this vessel, the smearing on. Oh, I, I come up in the old days. When, buddy, when they anointed you with oil, they anointed you with oil. I had a guy anointed me one time. He had a basin of oil with a gallon of oil in there. And he didn't walk over and do. No, he just said, slop, whole hand dripping. And I don't know about all the oil, but I did feel the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, there's nothing in the oil. The oil is symbolic. There's nothing in the fire. The fire is symbolic. There's nothing in the hammer. It is the crushing hammer of God. That is symbolic. Wow. Well, so now he's done this. He's, uh, he's anointed it. Boy, it's smeared. It's so pretty. He got a nice vessel. It looks good. And I want you to know a lot of quality has gone into it. A lot has gone into it because quality's got to go in before his name goes on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He has to have thought about you deeply. He, had, oh, he worked on you. He done all of these things. I remember what long ago I was waiting on Carter to get here. Man, I decided to tackle a baby bed. And I built this baby bed. And I, I, three days of my life, I invested in it. And then my wife informed me that I had done something wrong. And I asked her, did she ever build one? <laughs> and uh, anyway, in the end, she was right. And I made the adjustments. Are y'all hearing me? But there's one thing that I did. You ain't never going to see it if you go to see them. It's all the way up underneath the bed. But I sat down with a set of chisels that had letters on them. 
and wrote Mike Sainz and the day that I built it. Are you with me? For this wonderful grandson. Now, now my name is there. You might not ever see it, but I know it's there. And here's the deal. God wants to finish this vessel and he wants to write his name on you. But if you don't allow the process, if you don't allow the painting, he will never put his name on you. Well, Revelation 22 says in verse 4, and they'll see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. The quality's got to go in, though, before the name goes on. I want to tie this up, if I may. Process of the clay and our master. He's made some beautiful vessels. We're there. We're watching him. He gathered this clay. He walked it. He handled it. He screened it. He formed it. He fired it. He done all those things. But in the process, and oh, this table kind of does look like a wheel, man. Man, if I had me a pedal right here. They, in fact, if I could show this to you, this table, this wheel, if I had one more down here at my feet, and then if I had a, brought my stool, I could sit right here, and they would work this. They would turn the table right here, and it would turn this one too. That's before they had machines. Are y'all with me? And so the potter is there, and he's got his hands. He's seated, but he's putting pressure where he needs to put pressure. He's turning the wheels. The wheels are going. He's doing all of those things that he needs to do. But inevitably, inevitably there's vessels that no matter how much he tried to form, he would try to roll that and guess what? That old vessel would roll right back out. Stubborn. There, there's clay that just would not, would not be fashioned. He'd done everything. He went to the field to get us. He screened us. He fashioned us. He got the air out. He got the stones out. He done all of these things. But then there's that one vessel that just will not form. It's looking at the master and saying, but I want to do the dictates of my heart. I don't want to be a preacher. I don't want to work with kids. I don't want to go to the harbor. I don't want to reach and educate and apply. I don't want to... And, and, and as long as the vessel is saying to the master, who can that that is, I mean, well, how can that that is formed say to that that is forming it? Don't make me that way. Here's what I want to share with you in Hosea chapter 6, verse 4. The Lord cried, O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as the morning cloud and as the early dew, it goes away. How many of you remember Judas Iscariot? He was the disciple that betrayed Jesus. You know what he did after he went to Caiaphas, the high priest, and he threw that 30 pieces of silver back in his face? Caiaphas said, what is it to us? See thou to it. He took that 30 pieces, or they took that 30 pieces of silver. And you know what they did? They said, it's blood money. We can't put it back in the treasury. So they went and bought, hear me, and I quote, they went and bought the potter's field. You know what the potter's field was? 
If you looked at a potter's field, there would be broken chips and that's where all the clay, that's where all the, the vessels that were saying, I want to do it my way. They ended up there. And here we hear the Lord again. Oh, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, how often would I have gathered you under my wings, but you would not. He said to John, I came to my own people and they received me not. God has reached time and time again for some of us. He has sent good friends your way to try to steer you, but we would not. He sent pastors like myself and Dr. Strawn and Ken and different ones to preach powerful messages, but you would not. He sent churches and he even sent life groups. He sent calamity your way, illness your way, sickness your way, harsh circumstances. But you wouldn't change. So there's only one thing left to do. And the potter sets up. I believe he weeps over that vessel and said, oh, I wanted something great for you. I tried with everything in me to mold you and form you into something beautiful, but you would not. I set you down and I picked you up and I tried again and again and I called on people to pray for you and they did. And evangelists visited you and they did, but you would not. And he opened the doors of the potter's house. man of God what could have been an awesome child of God what could have been the greatest youth pastor that ever walked on earth what could have been a tremendous kids pastor what could have been a great singer what could have been an amazing musician in the house of God what could have been a sound tech beyond belief what could have been a security guy that would protect God's anointed people you would not stand with me if you will heads are bowed and eyes are closed I want to say this I come down to get these to let you know that there are those of you that are here if you don't heed what I'm saying today if your next step isn't toward the altar this is what you're destined to be this is what's destined to happen if you don't make a change today where well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Listen, we took a trip to the potter's house. We have found out that the potter loves you. We have found out that the potter wants to use you. I have shown you without a doubt that God used all kind of people. He used mean-spirited people. He used sinners. He used saints. He used them all. And God is here today. And he wants to put somebody back on his potter's wheel again. Adam sings a song if that's you I want you to say excuse me please please move I got to get down there and I want you to don't even worry about this you got on shoes don't come barefooted if you do at least go to the sides in Jesus name come right now thank you for listening for more information please visit us at harborwc.com